So Kim, um, I'm excited to introduce you to my friend. No, Ron has not no idea who the hell I am. So <laughs> this is fun. Um, Kim, we're, we are lucky to have this guy, Ron Tite, on board with us today. He is a, a speaker. He's an author. He's a CEO. He is the founder of Church and State. This dude knows advertising. I do know that. I do know that much about Ron. Um, Ron, welcome to My America. Well, thanks, America. Uh, this is, uh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Dan, again. Absolutely. So, uh, I'm going to sound like I, like it's all my show, but it's not Kim is my, my equal partner here. And the more amazing, yeah, you want me to, do you want me to stick around for this or do you want me to just like, I have chores. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> well, Kim, you and I talked about like some of the show ideas for this year. And one of my thoughts was like, as we're looking at so I'm, I work in marketing, Kim, obviously you work in, in, in the entertainment world and Hollywood um, television and, and, and film, but the, the idea of advertising and the power and perils of persuasion, it's a whole lot of peas right there. We, we talked about that. It was just like, that, yeah, interesting. Like advertising can do good in the world, but also as we've seen over the last few years, that power of persuasion can be really kind of, kind of icky, I guess. So Ron, that was why we wanted to talk to you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your, just your background real quick, founder of Church and State? What is that and how did you get there? So uh, Church and State is a um, and is an agency uh, based in Toronto that really kind of identifies, and it's really from both of your worlds coming together, as you can imagine by the name. Within advertising, there was always this fundamental belief of, you know, the separation of church and state being the separation of traditional advertising and editorial and content and and entertainment. And we kind of think that those worlds, especially, you know, within the social space where, you know, you don't, organic messages don't go anywhere unless they're amplified, um, is that it's now the unification of church and state, that, that the worlds of, of entertainment and content and editorial are now merged with advertising to the point that it's just kind of one long spectrum of stuff. And um, so how did I get there? I kind of came from both worlds. So on one hand, I've been an ad guy for a long time. I was executive creative director at Havas Toronto, worked with, you know, I've worked with the CD on brands like Microsoft, Volvo, Intel, Xerox, Johnson and Johnson Craft, Fidelity, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but I also, through the, my life have been like a, I was a stand-up comedian for 20 years, like a professional stand-up comedian. Um, I've written books that are just pure play content. Um, I, um, I kind of created a branded art gallery, you know, for Volvo. So I've constantly kind of lived in this world of managing art and, and, and commerce. And, um, and now kind of all those things come together. So I'm founder and chief creative officer of church and state, but I've written two books and I, um, published another book on behalf of a television mm -hmm. network. And, um, and I spent a lot of time on the road speaking um, to leading organizations around the world. <laughs> ah, the jargon. I love it. So when you look at today's world of advertising, especially as we're getting ready to record this, the Super Bowl is coming up, which is mm -hmm. the biggest advertising day ever. You know, if you're not thinking about it that is? as an advertiser or marketer, <laughs> I mean, that's what they say. There's going to be. It's uh, literally in my town. It's I don't care. This. I, keep well, be... I honestly keep forgetting. <laughs> well, the funny thing is like, it's the commercials and then the halftime show. And oh, I guess there's a football game too. Does anybody yeah. care anyway? Um, but it's, it's huge. Right. And so we've got that also in the world, we've got all these pushes for, you know, fake news from the American former president. We've got Facebook getting hit with um, the algorithm and the bad, like there's a lot of non-trustworthiness of the advertising industry. Has it always 
been that way or am I just seeing this for the first time now in the last couple of years? No, you're right in that there, I think um, exponentially the, the average consumer, the average American consumer, if you can understand this metaphor, the average American consumer is standing in the middle of Times Square, pre-pandemic Times Square, where 400,000 people trade through every single day. So you're standing in the middle of mm-hmm. Times Square, and what do you see? Well, on one hand, you see up top, right? You see this, you see a big legacy brands that have you know been around a long time. They can afford to be there. They can afford to you know, have those massive, massive billboards with ex- ridiculously high production values. And to the average consumer, though, like every, you know, from a brand standpoint, everybody wants to be there. It's ridiculously expensive to be there. But to the average consumer, they don't know where to look. They have no clue. They're just bombarded from all angles. So that one's a celebrity and that one's an Eminem's character and that one's a famous photographer and that one, you know, like they have no idea where to look. Now, on the other hand, on street level, that's a different level of entrepreneur. Now, that entrepreneur, they may not have the legacy of the ones up top. They may not have the money to be the ones up top, but they're typically, it's an entirely different business model down there. They can be more nimble. They can be more aggressive. Um, and they maybe need some, you know, some, some coaching um, because it's completely new. And there's a lot of crap down there. There's a lot of crap down there, but there's a lot of good <laughs> stuff down there. There's a lot of great retail boutiques and stuff down there. So, you know, you might think like this watch looks great, but I don't know that this guy with this table is going to be here tomorrow. So I don't know whether I can trust him. So on one level, you don't know where to look. On the other level, you have no idea who to trust. And why it's been kind of exponential, what has been increasing is a couple of reasons. Um, One is that, um, you know, the cost of production went down like really, really far down. And Kim, you, you would know this in from the entertainment world where look, anybody can shoot a movie with your mobile device. It's ridiculous. That's not rocket science. Every, you know, cost of production has gone way down. The other thing though, is that people have now have access to global and instantaneous distribution. So when you combine those two things, what you end up with is, is this desire and this ability to create and consume niche content. And so we used to trust advertising and we used to trust content and news because there are only three stations you could get it off of. And there was only one place to distribute it. And so there were these massive amount of gatekeepers in play. The second we opened up the world for niche content, now everybody with their own little bailiwick can go out and go, I'm going to have a radio show and I'm going to have a, uh, I'm going to develop a brand and I'm going to advertise direct to consumers. And they are not bound by the same ethics. They are not bound by the same morals. They are not sound. They're bound by the same integrity that some of those people had before. Now, sometimes that could be good. So as an example, used to, if you want to launch an, an ad, uh, you know, on say on TV, well, there are advertising standards and you have to say what the networks wanted you to say. You couldn't, you know, say four letter words or anything like that. And then can I swear on this podcast? Can I swear on this? Sure. Go ahead. It's encouraged. I was going to say dollar shave club comes out and goes, our blades are fucking great. Yeah. So now they can launch a brand using their own language. They don't have to live up to the, what the man is telling them that they should run their business. They can do what they want. So on one level, that's really empowered. That's amazing that we can do that, that they can drop an F bomb if they want to. On the other hand, what if they're dropping misinformation about COVID? Is that good? Well, yeah, yeah. So some of it's good and some of it's bad. 
Yeah. Yeah. What, all I heard you say, and I'll throw that is, well, any asshole can start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's and true, guess like, what? These two assholes did. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, it's true. Like we have all the access, which can be great. It democratizes information, so to speak. But also like, and I think of like Wikipedia, right? A great place to find some good information, to, at least to start. Yeah. But you got to make sure you do your own research beyond that. Wikipedia can be changed. And while yeah. there is some peer review, air quotes, it's really pretty open. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Kim, what are, you, what are you thinking? Where does your mind go with all this? I was similar to how you were thinking anybody can start a podcast. I was thinking about how, because I work on a major network television show and anybody can start a show because anybody can now start a show and they can put it on YouTube and it is very exciting, but it is not the same. And you do lose that. Like, you know, it takes a very long time for us to put out an episode because we have standards and we have networks yeah. and we have the studio and we have a bunch of different people. And um, the other thing I was just thinking of is we, I was just talking to a friend of mine about advertising within the show because um, it's so interesting to think about how those two things do merge together sometimes. Yeah. The in, brand in integration ways. side of stuff. Sorry, Kat. I mean, the brand integration side is, I think that's, that's one of those, it, on one level, the consumer doesn't care. They don't care. Good shit's good shit, right? They like they really don't care. And if it if it organically, we do live our lives with brands deep within them. We mention brands in our life. We do that. We have favorite brands. We're loyal to brands. So that for it to seamlessly find its way into content like a television series, that's natural and organic. And when it works, it's like it feels good. When it feels like, let's wedge this in because they're paying us a hundred grand. You're like, ooh, this is not very organic. <laughs> now, I don't think that's unethical. I think it's just, I think it's just crappy entertainment because people are going to turn it off. You know, and I think more and more, in some ways, advertising now has more standards than some television. If you look at what's happened to cable news. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. Where's the? I think some brands have way more integrity than some cable news outlets. Um, <laughs> yes. I, what's it really interesting to me was I had a TV deal um, with uh, Mark Burnett, and it was me and Amber Mack, um, who you might, who's a tech person, and we were. It was a new business reality show, and it was a co-pro between CTV and ABC, and um, we shot the pilot up here, and then, you know, it was. And they they funded the pilot, blah, blah, whatever. So it was a business reality show. And Amber and I got to kind of kick off one of the entrepreneurs in round one. That was the idea. We kick it off and then a studio audience decides who wins the money. Well, I went to Amber and I said, we don't have to decide. This is Mark Burnett. Like they're going to tell us who they want us to kick off because this is reality TV, man. Like that, you know, it's got to be good TV. I consider myself really informed in this space. And I was like, they're just going to tell us what do you want. So we went to Mark Burnett's people and we said, who do you want us to kick off? And I was so pleasantly shocked. And they said, no, you're the business expert. You need to have integrity. We can't tell you who to kick off. Don't you put in your brain of you trying to create great TV. You do what's right for you as a business expert. We'll make the great TV that comes out of that. I thought it was a full scam of like, we're going to make, you know, we're going to pull the strings here. I was so pleasantly surprised that that wasn't the case at all. That's cool. Yeah. Um, 
Ron, when you talked about gatekeepers earlier, I think about uh, the the discussion on Facebook in particular, right? Not to pick on one social media platform, but the metaverse is growing. Um, and so now we have these gatekeepers. We didn't used to like if like here's here's how I think about it. These small businesses that you talked about, the mom and pop shops, the the boutiques, the the, the small entrepreneurs, they used to be able to go create a Facebook page to go along with their website because everybody needs a website, by the way, get a website. That's where you own your, your content. Um, but you'd be able to start this business page and, and have some actual interactions. People would interact with you. They'd like your page. They could give you a review. They go all these things. Then eventually Facebook was like, hold on, hold on. You got to pay us for access to this audience. Just like we had to pay for access to a TV audience again, like Super Bowl, millions of dollars. Now we have this gatekeeper of Facebook and we get lower and lower on the organic traffic scale. What's kind of responsibility do these platforms have and who's holding them accountable? Like I see these, you know, hearings in the U S Congress and I'm like, this is a joke. Nobody's holding yeah. you accountable. I mean, what does that look like today? How, so I guess I'll start there. How does that look like today? Who, who has the gatekeeping power and, and who holds them accountable? There, well, this is a, an, an area that I, I love to discuss. Cause I think there's, I think in some ways, this is going to be a very unpopular opinion. In some ways, Facebook gets the raw end of the deal. In some ways. Allow me to explain. For years and years pre, I won't say pre-internet, but certainly pre-social, I was a traditional TV guy. I was an advertising guy that shot a lot of TV spots. And all the new digital people were like, you just wait until digital comes in and people will only get served the ads they want when they want them where they want them for the stuff that they need in that moment there'll be no more crappy advertising and i will signed up for that i was like that would be amazing well of course in order to do that you need data you need data in order to serve me the stuff i need so me as an example i'm 51 years old but i have a two-year-old and a four-year-old i'm a granddaddy daddy I don't, those traditional demographics, those products and stuff, completely irrelevant to me at this life stage that I'm at. So I want people to have my relevant data so that I get served the stuff that I actually need. So on one hand, that was the promise. What, where did that, what happened? We went from, as brands, brands and horrible salespeople took that and said, this is not about customization, this is about scale. I'm going to take that data and I'm going to blow out 4 million LinkedIn messages and 5 million tweets. And, you know, I'm just going to bombard as many people as horrible. It did the exact opposite. And that is just in its wake. There's like millions of innocent bystanders who get served stuff that is so ridiculously irrelevant to them. So that's on one hand, brands have not done a great job and salespeople have not done a great job and marketers have not done a great job with it. Now, as we move into Facebook, um, there's, I think, one, the, the way the algorithm, which is always this mysterious thing, right? I think yeah, uh, I, I in support what the algorithm does. I think because the second eyeballs leave traditional media and they go to the next social platform and they go, because why are we here? Because there aren't any ads here. It's just authentic content. And brands go, where are the eyeballs at? And they're like, they're over here on this new thing. And brands rush in and go, here, how about this? How about chicken? How about sandwiches? How about processors? And then the platform, if they're smart, they go, no, you're wrecking the platform because you're just bombarding people with advertising messages. So we're going to force you to pay for that. And we're going to change the priority of what gets put in people's stuff. And that's the content from their peers. 
And I think that's a good thing and it protects the platform. Now, does Facebook have a role to uh, an active, important role to, you know, ward off the crap of people who are using that for unethical purposes? Yes, they most definitely do. Have they done a good job of that? No, they have not. You may have heard there's a whole thing in Canada right now, this trucker convoy, which is just the biggest ridiculous thing. And it's just it's just like on both sides of the border, it's the right wings of both sides going like, let's get behind this. When you look at who's funding the Facebook pages and who's starting the Facebook pages, it's American citizens. And then this is nothing against your country. It's I've considered the people who yeah. are far right freaks in your country, just yep. the same as the far right freaks in our country. So um, somebody that Facebook needs to play a role in that. But how is Facebook getting more blame than the unethical individuals and organizations who are actually behind it? How is Facebook more evil than yeah. Cambridge Analytica? Now, they can do a way better job, and I think there are some dangers that they're ignoring, um, and I do, I believe in the power of, or the potential of what they do and what they have, but it, right now it's, it's pretty evil, and they got, they got to do a better job, because we can't be left alone of our own uh, senses to, to um, weed out the evil people, so someone's got to yeah. do it for us. Yeah. I mean, but it feels a little bit like with with Facebook that they are uh, not not just letting this happen, but kind of like wink, 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 nudge, nudge. No, like we totally don't know, but we are going to push these things forward because we know this is who is like the more that we push these bad things to the front. People are more likely to interact with bad news and good news. People are more likely to interact with left with, um, I'm sorry, uh, very conservative, like ultra conservative things versus, you know, and they did that study on Instagram that shows that girls had a higher likelihood to be depressed after being on Instagram, but they still were like, but we must market to them, which is kind of where for me, you know, I use Instagram. I don't use Facebook. So I can't say I'm I, I, like, I use Instagram. So what, you know, it's the same company. Um, but th that is always my thing with Facebook is like, but you know, it, it's one thing to know and be like, we, we wish we could do better, but it's human, you know, humans are messy and they're here and it's, what are we supposed to do? It's billions of people are on this app, but then at the same time, they are taking that data and saying like, we're fine with this because it's bringing in money to us. And yeah, that's where I, it gets tricky for me. I agree, I agree with you. It's what, what I find really interesting about that argument, which is a, a totally valid argument. And I, and I side with you on that. What I find interesting with it is the calls for the dismantling of Facebook are way stronger than the calls ever were for the dismantling of tobacco companies who knew the dangers of their product, who profited from selling their product, who were may not even been allowed to market their product, but there is a core belief. And what did we all say about it? Hey, if somebody wants to smoke, that's their right. And if they want to kill themselves, that's their right. Now, when it comes to youth and people who aren't quite mature enough to make those decisions, that's why there are rules in place. But again, it's like, these, this is the core human nature that we want. We, we like processed cheese more than good brie. And mm -hmm. whose fault is that? The people who sell it? Yes. I certainly, as a leader, would not want to be behind any of that. Um, I would not actively endorse, you know, helping a cigarette company out. 
Um, but it's also a large amount of responsibility on the people who are actively smoking. And if you're smoking or you see somebody smoking, you need to be able to go like, what are you doing, dude? Like, this is totally misinformation. Now I'm totally mixing metaphors, but you know what I mean, right? Like, yeah. I, th I think yeah. we've ignored the personal responsibility that all of us have um, because it's way easier to blame Facebook. But I totally agree with you that it is yeah. a massive issue to, to solve. Yeah. And it feels like that's where we are in a lot of things today is there's we we swing one way or the other. We live in this swamp of or it's either individual responsibility or it's a corporate responsibility. It can be both. And it is both like the land of and is where most of the answers are. We need better personal responsibility and we need better corporate small C responsibility, whether it's corporations or whatever. So that's that's kind of where I'm where I'm landing in, in what you're saying, Ron. Does that is that track of what you're thinking? Yeah. At the same time, no organization changes ever, 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 or because organizations don't change, people do. So even if it's a corporate mm. responsibility, the corporation is nothing. There's no church and state, my agency, it's nothing. It's a logo. It's a group of people who are driven by professional ethics and standards. And when one person decides that I'm going to do something that goes, you know, it's an integrity gap, um, then the organization, you know, suffers because of it. But it's an individual person. So we can go, this is a Facebook problem. No, it's a Mark Zuckerberg problem. It's his board problem. It's the individuals who work at Facebook. If they're seeing stuff that's that's not going, that they're not whistleblowing on, that's what we need. Just as we need individual brand managers to say, I'm not putting my budget behind that until somebody fixes that. So yes, it is yeah. a corporate responsibility, but that comes down to individuals who need to make decisions. So good. Awesome. So when I thought of this title, when Kim and I talked about this, the power and peril of persuasion, um, I think we've covered a lot of that. Is there anything that we didn't talk about in that? Like where, where we are nowadays, what's the state of advertising What's our responsibility? What other thoughts do you have, Ron? The one area I think that we didn't touch on, which is um, is certainly on our side of the business of, of advertising. And no, we're a creative agency. We're not a media agency. But I think there's programmatic advertising is one of the biggest scams in the industry that, that not as many people are talking about. So programmatic advertising for your listeners who, who may not know is, you know, I'm just going to, I'm not going to buy against a certain website. I'm going to buy against a certain type of person. And who cares what the website is? Who cares what they're looking at? And that, and that, and that becomes, that's an auction. So if like, Hey, there's a guy over here on DougHunters.com who wants them. And in, you know, rapid time brands kind of auction for that uh, to auction, to pay for that ad to be put in front of that person. Now, when you look at, there's been a ton of studies on, okay, if a brand spends a hundred dollars, how many is actually getting to the media platform to pay for that eyeball? And I don't know the, I can't remember the actual percentage of it, but it's ridiculously low because there's a bunch of, you know, middle people who are like a media agency who's taking a media commission. And then there's a, you know, a, um, the, the, the kind of the tech provider who's in there. Um, the, and there's just like, and sometimes the media agency um, owns the auction service. Um, and, you know, like, it's just, there's a bunch of middlemen in there. And then there's a bunch of bots that are kind of going, yeah, we're looking at this ad, but they're actually, they're not, no one's looking at the ad. 
And so again, the promise of digital advertising was it's going to be so great because you're going to be able to track every last cent and how effective that advertising is. And now what? Nobody has any clue. You have no idea how effective your digital advertising is and how many people are actually seeing that. And while that is a media agency problem, at the end of the day, it's the brand marketers who have to go, I want to see the numbers. I want to really see the numbers of where my money is being spent. And I think we're going to see there's going to be a big shakeout within that. And I think you're going to see a lot of brands go, screw it. I might as well just go back to traditional TV. Because that's way more accurate in terms of the number of eyeballs that I have, thanks to Nielsen numbers or whatever. It's way more accurate for me to get an indication of how many people are actually seeing my message. So it's that I think that the biggest contradiction is what was promised and what is currently being delivered. And there's a huge delta between those two worlds. So interesting. And, and do you think that the digital side of things is going to help then the TV cost come down? Has it already? Cause I, I can think of like, it's expensive to get on TV is my, my myth maybe, but is it more affordable nowadays? Um, it's certainly, uh, and I'm not a media guy, so I don't, I don't track media costs and stuff. You know, we're a creative sure. agency. Um, I think TV has actually been able to hold its, its level of, of uh, cost on some level, simply because while there may be fewer eyeballs that the scheduled programming, you know, is something that comes at a massive premium now. So you talk about the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl costs have not gone down. They've exponentially gone up. And why is that? Was well, because there are very few things that we actually gather around and sit down and consume and pay attention at a really specific time. So there's 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 that side. Now the you know TV is now got not just the traditional broadcast network, but it's now got um, you know a, a slew of cable outlets. Um, and so there's the, the definition of TV is so much larger. And then you've got the kind of the brand plays into the streaming side of stuff where there traditionally aren't ads, but they're kind of more um, the partnership things that you can do and kind of some more uh, interesting ways at it. Um, and so I think it's a really difficult to analyze. It's not apples to apples just because sure. the very definition of TV has changed. So if I'm watching uh, a pre-roll video on a YouTube video before a YouTube video, but I'm watching it on my smart TV in my living room. Is that TV or is that digital? I, I don't really know. And I don't, from an advertising standpoint, I don't really care as much anymore how we define it. Yeah. I love seeing the evolution. So interesting. Ron, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. Um, our goal with My America is to bring interesting perspectives to look at what our America, but also the rest of our world looks like. So um, to have a Canadian on is, is exciting. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Rontight.com. Thanks where for having me. Any, anywhere else? Of course. Yeah. Where else do you send people to find you? Uh, yeah. Rontight.com, churchstate.com for the agency. Or you can just Google Rontight. Like it's just, there's not many of us. T-I-T. Right on. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Ron, thank you again, man, so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks to the two of you. So Kim, when, when I um, suggested doing like an advertising in America episode, um, did it go as well as you thought it was going to, or were you like, dude, you're a dumb, dumb. Are you happy with the interview? This is our close. So this has to be really, really good. I don't know. Oh, okay. Th thanks Dan. Cause otherwise, you know, me, it was going to be bad. 
Um, no, <laughs> no, I'll tell you. I'll be totally honest and tell you. I don't know if you remember that the day that this interview was booked, we had talked about advertising a little bit here and there. And then the day the interview was booked was the day that I was so busy at work and you were an excellent partner and just like were able to like knock out getting some interviews scheduled and like things just kept popping up on my calendar. I was like, I can't, I don't know what's happening right now. I have uh, everything is happening right now at work. I, I don't. So this was a pleasant surprise because I was, um, I, um, I, I saw it on my calendar and it was popping up, but like in the moment I was like, I, okay, that sounds great. I don't know. <laughs> um, Oh, I was just gonna say I, I don't I, I don't work in advertising. I don't work in marketing. You work in marketing. So it was very interesting for me as somebody who doesn't who has a job that deals heavily, like you said, deals very heavily with marketing and advertising. And I don't have anything to do with it. Right. It was interesting. Uh, I was I was through it when I threw out the idea that I wanted to talk to somebody about this. And my friend Stephanie said, Oh yeah, here's somebody. I I wasn't familiar with Ron or his work, but as I looked him up, I was like, oh, that looks like a great book. His, his book, Think, Say, Do, um, his, his background about being a, a stand-up comedian and then advertising in a creative agency. It's like, this is going to be amazing. Um, so I was excited and I thought it went really well. I, he's such an interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. um, I think there's definitely a responsibility on both sides of like, I love that he said, like corporations don't change people change. True. hundred percent true. And also corporations are run by people that have responsibility and we have to hold them accountable. And I find it so frustrating today that these corporations made up of people who aren't being responsible are manipulating. Mm -hmm. They're putting us in peril through persuasion. Like there needs to be more accountability um, or at least accountability needs to be had. Like there are laws and rules in place, but we're just kind of letting it go. And so I loved his perspective of that people need to change and be held mm-hmm. accountable along with their brands. But, um, but yeah, just so interesting. Yeah. I was glad that he brought up the Facebook um, connection to the, um, it's not a trucker protest because most of the truckers, the, most of the drivers in Canada do not do not agree with the people that are protesting, but because um, it is centered, such an interesting tie that is slowly unraveling that we're we're understanding what's actually happening in Canada and why these roads are being shut down by a small group of people and and who's where the money is coming from. Um, similar to like January sixth, like that people don't just get on planes and large buses for free that cost money. So we you know you have to follow the money. It's very interesting. Yeah. Super. Well, cool. That was great. I hope, uh, listeners hope you both enjoyed that. Like I did <laughs> both listeners. I, I hope you yeah, all like that. enjoyed that. Hey, Hey, listener that we're in your head right now. I hope you enjoyed that. Did that get creepy? Weird. Ugh, I did not. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please don't stop listening to the show. I'm going to try and cut him out as much as possible. I'm so <laughs> sorry that happened to you. I just, just one of those moods. Apparently we're recording on a Friday and I'm just like, let's just be weird. Um, no, but I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> that interview, that conversation, Ron's awesome. Go to rontite.com. And if you can hear in the background, uh, Ruth, our executive producer is just going crazy this morning. She's in a mood too, apparently. She threw a, she came up to me and then threw a toy at me. Like normally she'll drop it, but she literally like threw it. That's amazing. I love cats. (laughs) Especially Ruth. so smart. Um, 
so yeah, so go to rontight.com, follow Ron on Twitter, some interesting stuff there. Uh, Ron, thank you so much for being part of it. And Stephanie, thank you so much. Stephanie Bioki, thank you so much for putting us in touch with Ron as an idea. So, um, and if you want to follow us, My America Pod on the social media channels, I'm at Dan Moyle and you are. I am at. If you're listening to this on the day it came out, there are only 229 days between now and the midterm elections. If you're not listening to this on the day it came out because, you know, we all have life and things happen and whatever, 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 whatever. It's fine. I don't get it, but it's fine. There are less days than that. Less time to get registered to vote. Less time to decide if you want to vote in your Jimmy Jam. So you got to get your absentee ballot uh, application in place. Uh, less time, less time. It's just if you're like, hey, um, this uh, Canadian, um, it's not all the truckers, but some of the truckers and it's being funded by americans this is very confusing and a little bit concerning to me if that's concerning to you then maybe you should consider voting or at kim moffett kim moffett on instagram and twitter kim moffett is here on tiktok and you're not on facebook so don't even look there you're on instagram though well, which is on, my on facebook. there to so clear the notifications yeah i'm better than everyone because i'm on instagram not facebook no. <laughs> <laughs> I, my brother said that um as we're recording this, it's before the Super Bowl. As this is an airing, it's long after. But he said, "Hey, the Foo Fighters are doing a virtual conference in the metaverse during the Super Bowl." And I was like, <laughs> "Fuck the metaverse!" He goes, "What?" He's like, "No, dude, I'm not playing." Like, no. Meanwhile, I have Facebook and Instagram. One of my children has Oculus. Like, like we're we're embroiled in the metaverse, but also no. Yeah, I'm not doing I, it anyway. So I far. don't know. It will be there eventually. I, you know, it's like, for example. Uh, all these people when Twitter came out, you and I were early users of the platform. And then people were like, I'm not, what am I supposed to do? Like talk about what I ate for lunch? No, it's going to be different than that. I don't get the metaverse. It's not currently, it's not for me. Um, but we don't actually know right now what it's going to be. Right. You know? Yeah. Web Web so. three is, is a whole different ball game of which includes the metaverse and, and all these other things that we're talking about um, NFTs and all this and cryptocurrency. Like what's it going to be? We don't really know. I'm kind of feeling yeah. like the the old guy in a block get off my lawn guy because I don't want to know what it all is. But also I do. And I see some good benefit to it already. You know, again, our, our youngest is in there with a with an Oculus and there's so much positivity on things like battling social anxiety with actual face to face. Virtual reality helps with that. Making friends there helps with that. And then we go live face to face, you know, real life. I use air quotes because virtual is also real. Like there's, there are yeah, real, you're real there. there. Anyway, anyway, yeah. there's just a lot there. So it's interesting. But that's not what this episode's about. This was Ron. Thank you so much, Ron. Yes. Thank you very much. How do you Ron? get I'm... so distracted on our conversations, Kim? Why are you so squirrel shiny? Well, objects? I'm, I am a lady. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. I, which means uh, I carry many thoughts in my head at once. And, um, cause I'm, you know, got a lot of thoughts in my head. Awesome. Well, that was that was great, Ron. Again, thank you. Uh, go to the storytellersnetwork.com slash myamerica for show notes. They're also in your podcast player of choice. By the way, in your podcast player of choice, if you can give us a review and you enjoy what we're doing, go for it. We'd love that. We thrive on that. Kim, mm -hmm. thank Dan, you for being you're welcome. such a great partner. You're welcome. My America is a production of the Storytellers Network. This show is written and produced by Kim Moffat and Dan Moyle. Kim takes care of editing and graphics while Dan helps with episode production on the web. Both Dan and Kim run social media. For more information on the show, including past episodes, visit thestorytellersnetwork.com slash myamerica. Great job, Dan.